Welcome to season two of The Good, The Bad and The BPD. I've got a chest infection. Whoop, whoop. Have you missed me? Yeah, haven't you? Do you like the new artwork? It was designed by my friend Nathan Penny and you can check out his artwork on Instagram at cyanide underscore skies dot art. If you are new around here, my name is Tammy and I've got borderline personality disorder. The good, the bad and the BPD is sort of a diary for me. It's a diary I share with the world, I suppose. <laughs> borderline personality disorder is a condition that affects how you think, feel and interact with other people. And you've got to bear with me. Like I say, I've got a chest infection. I've got a snotty nose. So I've really missed talking to you. Like not recording an episode for two weeks has really played with my mental health. The first week I had off, I just tossed it off because I had a chest infection. <laughs> I just had no motivation to do anything or plan this season. It just festered in my own unhealthiness. I stood for 20 minutes in the shower and cried because I felt ugly, unattractive. I mean, I know I'm not a munter, but I'm not beautiful either. So, yeah, I stood in the shower and cried about being single, really. As <laughs> I that. Wanted to kill myself, Sunday 6th of March. Just the cost of living, being lonely, having a chest infection. It just all got too much for my brain. So, yeah, I've had a fantastic two weeks off. <laughs> That's why I like the good, the bad and the BPD, because it gives me a chance to get all this information out of my brain. And can you hear my chest? God, it's like I smoke 60 fags a day. But... Someone told me the other day, whilst in the middle of an argument, that I don't understand that other people have mental health issues and problems of their own. And I'm like, are you joking? Me? The person that goes out of the way every day to help other people, even when I would have killed them off, <laughs> jog on. So yeah, obviously, cut this person straight out of my life. Bye-bye. <laughs> So, saying that, let's move on to the first episode of season two. And this season's all about supporting somebody living with borderline personality disorder, whether that's your partner, your brother, your sister, your mother. <laughs> that rhymed. Your mate, I've got you covered. So, like I say, this season's all about helping you to understand how somebody living with BPD thinks, feels and acts. And hopefully, if you have somebody with BPD in your life, this will be a big help to you. And I can't speak for everybody with BPD because we genuinely are all different. We're all at different stages of the recovery process. So some things that I say in this episode might not work for your boyfriend, girlfriend, your mum, dad, whoever. I can only give you my personal thoughts, how I personally feel and how I act. I'll also use my best mate Google to add more professional value because as we know, I'm not qualified in this latest. <laughs> But there's basic foundations for BPD, such as abandonment, splitting, mood swings, and I'll cover these topics throughout season two. So if you were looking for something specific in this episode, and I don't cover it, it'll probably be covered by at least one episode from season two, because it all interlinks. So with all that being said, oh, get back up your nostrils. Let's move on to the first episode of season two, how to date somebody with BPD.
And the first and most important thing, and I can't stress this enough, is if you find yourself considering a relationship with somebody who has got BPD or you're in a relationship with one now, it's so important to educate yourself about borderline personality disorder and what to expect. It's not one of the things that you can just wing. Trust me, if it were that easy, I'd be winging it every day. <laughs> Everyone's different. Everyone has their own triggers and the ways they're dealing with them. So please take time to get to know this person before you dismiss them based on the mental health status and what you've read on Google. Because this has happened to me loads in the past. I stopped mentioning that I got BPD at one point because once I'd said it, when I got diagnosed, there weren't that much information available. So people just read about the negatives online and they didn't want to date me. And there's so much more to people with BPD than just the bad stuff that you hear and read about. Being in a relationship with somebody like me can be exhilarating. I mean, it can be absolutely exhausting, but it can be exhilarating. And likewise, if you have been diagnosed with BPD, it can be helpful to think about how your symptoms have affected your dating life and your romantic relationships in the past. Because you've heard about my two relationship stories in season one and there's numerous things that me and my ex-partner could have done to support each other better. But like I said, I, I wasn't willing to help myself back then in terms of my BPD recovery and you have to want to help yourself. Otherwise, you literally are just pissing in the wind. Both parties would benefit from learning about BPD together, in my opinion. It allows you to discuss and ask questions with each other. You've also got things to refer back to when they start having a meltdown. Like, remember that article we read on abandonment and how to overcome it? You just try and make them sort of remember that conversation just say things like, can you remember when it said X, Y, Z? And then explain the part that's relevant to your, obviously, specific meltdown subject. Learning and discussing BPD together, it also helps the person with BPD trust you more. Because you're willing to learn and support them. And in my eyes, that's very important. Because it makes me feel seen and that this person actually wants to be in my life. Because they're willing to do all this research with me and support me. Also, education can help the person without BPD understand that it's an illness and not a choice. We don't choose to be this way. And it's easy for people with borderline personality disorder to feel insecure about themselves. We face a lot of struggles in our own brain and it can be really hard to rationalise or see things clearly when we're overwhelmed, stressed or we're angry. And the best advice I can give you if you are dating somebody living with borderline personality disorder is wording and tone of voice are everything like don't accuse me of something ask me don't tell me to do something ask me to do something because <laughs> if i feel like i'm being told what to do it sets me off and i automatically go i'm a grown-ass adult who do you think you're speaking to <laughs> like i need to verify that i am in fact an adult and i don't know why i do this <laughs> maybe because i still look at myself as a 20 year old my brain's very childish sometimes as well and when I react to some situations it's like you're dealing with a 10 year old <laughs> and I think that's where the black and white thinking <laughs> comes into play. Also if you've accused me rather than asked, for example if you start a sentence with you did this rather than did you do this, it get me going. Something as slight as this next 
thing would set me off back in day. So if you asked me, where did you go today? With that sort of harsh tone, as opposed to, where did you go today? With the nice tone, see that little slight variation in tone? Yeah, well, that feels like you're questioning me rather than taking an interest in my day. Just try. Did you go anywhere nice today? <laughs> and that, that will help you. That will go a long way. Tone of voice and wording are very important. And if you're a partner to somebody with BPD, it's important to keep in mind that borderline personality disorder can cause people to misconstrue what others say to them. So asking the right questions is important for helping somebody with BPD sort of find solutions to the problems. But you need to remember that you're not there to solve our problem. <laughs> In fact, you haven't even got the power or the ability to solve our problem, if I'm honest. The only thing you can do is ask us questions. And it's questions that will help us be able to explore our own feelings, our own thoughts and find our own solution. Because me personally, I want to solve my own problem. I don't want somebody else to do it for me. Because if that problem arises again... I'm going to rely on that person to solve it rather than me solving it. Try not to raise your voice, even if we're getting on your nerves. Raising your voice with me within an argument situation is not a good idea. It makes me very aggressive. <laughs> I see red and then I wind myself up because I'm so full of emotion it turns into rage. The worst thing you can do is argue with somebody with BPD <laughs> because you will never be right. Especially if you're criticising them and something that they've done. <laughs> and I used to say some truly hurtful things when I got angry and I was being criticised. So, here are a few effective questions to get you started. So, you could ask questions like, how do you feel about it? Do you think anything can be done to solve it? What do you think might work next time? Did that hurt your feelings? Why do you think that hurt your feelings? Are there other options you could try? What did you think when it happened? What do you think caused the problem? Is there anything I can do to help you? And then you could also say, would it help if I, I don't know, rang you a bath? I don't know, anything that will help your loved one in that situation. So hopefully those will get you started on helping you support your loved one with BPD and I need to cough so bear with me <coughs> <coughs> many people with BPD believe that every new person that they date is the one but like I mentioned before it's easy for somebody with BPD to split and go from seeing this person as the one to seeing this person as horrible and not a nice person so with that being said let's go through the dating stages First of all, you have the messaging stage. People with BPD, especially me, rely heavily on good communication. Me personally, I don't like to text. I'd rather ring you, let's have a chat about your day. Then it's done, innit? I can crack on with the rest of my day, you can crack on with your own. We're not texting each other all day. And then if you ring me at night time, we've got so much to discuss and it's not boring. I don't love chit chat. I'm not very good at it. I also don't care for it. Don't ask me how my day's going every day. It's boring. It shows lack of imagination. But ask me about my hopes, my dreams, what my zombie apocalypse plan is. 
you know, creative, important stuff, because that's what I want to know about you. I want to know if you have a plan for the end of the world and you can save me if the zombies come. I can't speak for all women, but most of us, we don't care about dick pics. They are the most vile thing ever. And if you ever want to turn somebody off with BPD, just send them a dick pic. <laughs> me personally, I can split. Like I mentioned before, I can go from thinking you are the best person ever to, eh, I've only been speaking to you for a week and you're already sending me that. Like, how many other people have you sent that to? Recycled nudes are not cool, people. <laughs> it put me off straight away and... Oh, sorry, it will put me off straight away. And if somebody wants to know about my sex life or sending nudes, they don't want to get to know me. They just want to sleep with me, in my opinion. And if you have a past like mine, then thinking somebody just wants to sleep with you rather than get to know you just makes you bad. And once I've split, it's very hard to see this person the way I did before. Especially if I've never met them in person. And if you've been texting or speaking to somebody for a while and you haven't met them, it becomes one of them things where you're left thinking, why don't this person want to meet me? They'd happily text me all day, but when it comes to meeting, they have an excuse. And then the thoughts kick in. Am I just filling the boredom? of their evening am I entertainment because they've got nothing better to do or are they just lonely and they're using me for the company aspect it makes you feel not worthy of somebody's time and that they don't actually want to see you two together in public if you start messaging somebody with BPD every day and they suddenly stop do not I repeat do not do that stupid game that people play of Oh, if they aren't texting me, I'm not texting them. I'm not going to text them first. Let's see if they actually text me. Let's see if they like me enough to text me first. Let me be clear. <laughs> A lot of people with BPD will not initiate first contact. I certainly will not initiate first contact. If you ignore me, I will ignore you. No, no, that's wrong. Not all the time. If we clicked from the initial messaging stage and you were like, absolutely gorgeous... <laughs> I might message you and ask if everything's okay. If you don't reply, then I'll just not message you again. I ain't got time to waste. The other thing with BPD is we get overwhelmed easily. When you start speaking to somebody, like they're full of compliments. Hello, beautiful. Good morning, gorgeous. And some people with BPD don't take compliments very well. And I certainly don't. And I've got to stop speaking for other people because I'm sorry to the people who feel like I'm speaking on behalf of them. I'm not. I just know so many people with BPD who think like me. So when I say them or we, I mean the people in my BPD circle. As somebody living with BPD, I struggle to see my own self-worth. And I don't put myself before other people. I don't believe that my wants and needs are as important as other people's, so I put other people first. Well, <laughs> I did previously, not anymore. If you don't respect my boundaries, you're gone. Bye-bye. But I do find it hard when other people compliment or be nice to me. Then it, it makes me embarrassed. So, I, if it's in person, I'll, I'll go shy. And if it's over text, I'll withdraw from you because it's obviously too good to be true. And I'm a bugger for ghosting people. Like I say, I become very withdrawn, especially if I'm putting in more than I'm getting back. And when I feel unloved 
unhappy, sad, etc. I don't initiate contact with anybody. If somebody messages me and they need help with their mental health, I'll respond. But other than that, I just ghost people. I just think people can't possibly want to be in a relationship with me. So when someone gives me their time, compliments, basically everything I ask for communication-wise, I'm like, where's the catch? I can't help but retreat into myself like, this can't be real, can it? <laughs> Somebody can't possibly think I'm that great. They've got to be bullshitting just to get laid. They've got to be. <laughs> so I cut them off before they decide they don't want to message me anymore. So basically I abandoned them before they abandoned me. <laughs> it's how I roll. In that instance though, if somebody does ghost you, just reassure them that you are there for them. You try to understand the struggle that they're facing and you'd like to help them if they'd let you. God, if somebody sent me that message, I'd marry them tomorrow. <laughs> And here's a little story for you. Let me have a drink first, because I'm, I'm getting a bit excited. Also, the sun's blinding me. That's better. So, I don't know if I ghosted this bloke, <laughs> or he ghosted me. <laughs> so, three weeks ago, talking to this person for about two weeks, it was lovely, he made me laugh. <laughs> we FaceTimed. We've got the same sense of humour. So I went and I met him and everything was fine. Carried on messaging him. And then I got poorly with this cold, which has now transpired into a chest infection. And I'm on the sofa for two days. Didn't really look at my phone. Every time I opened my eyes, it streamed with water or I was sneezing. So it, there was just no point. And do you know what? He never messaged me once. So then my brain went, well, you can jog on, can't you? I'm obviously not that important because you haven't texted me in two days and I could be dead for all you know. I could have choked on my own snot. There's been that much. And I still haven't heard from him either. I didn't create scenarios in my head though, so maybe I weren't that interested in him in the first place. I mean, if I really liked this person, I'd be creating scenarios about meeting him. No, about them meeting somebody. But I just didn't care. Maybe because I was so poorly. I don't care now, to be fair, it just related to podcast episodes, so I told you. <laughs> I'm surprised I even entertained him as well, because his name was the same name as my boss. It ruined my life. <laughs> so that was never going to work, really, was it? But it's not very often I ask people on a date. <clears throat> so if I have ever asked you out, you should feel very, very lucky. <laughs> I bet I've asked roughly, roughly what? Ten people out on a date in my lifetime so far. That's probably a rate exaggeration. It's just not something that I do. <laughs> I believe if a bloke wants to date you, they'll make the first move. Like I said previously, I'm very old-fashioned when it comes to dating. If you don't open doors for me and sort of like put your hand on my lower back to guide me through the door or into a room with new people, I'm not going to date you. If you are the one with BPD at the messaging stage, try and remember... That you don't know this person. This person doesn't know you. They don't mean to offend you. They're still learning about you. So you need to give up benefit of doubt and not get face on with them for saying something that you deem as inappropriate. Explain yourself calmly and rationally and explain how it made you feel. <clears throat> Try not to blame though. Just explain how it made you feel without putting the blame on that person. If this person that you're messaging is interested enough and can potentially see a future with you, is that the right wording? They will understand how 
well, they, they probably won't understand how it made you feel, but they will understand where you're coming from and hopefully help you get through it. <clears throat> also, let me know your thoughts on this. If you're messaging somebody that you aren't really that obsessed with and they say something that irritates you, how would you react? Would you just let it go over your head? Would it annoy you? Like, what would be your reaction? Me, I get annoyed and usually ghost people for it. Whereas if I really liked this person, I'd say something sarcastic back to them. So, for example, like, if the person I'm not really obsessed with calls Luna, I'd literally just ignore the message from that point or I'd be like, you've just called my dog, like, jog on, mate. Now, if somebody I'm obsessed with called Luna, I'd be like, carry on and I'll let her bite you. <laughs> I don't know if it's a BPD thing or an everyone thing. But for me, personally... I'm either infatuated by you or I'm not. And if I'm infatuated by you, then you'll get away with murder. <laughs> but if I'm not infatuated by you, you won't get away with half as much stuff. And I probably won't waste my time, to be fair. I'm not one of them people that can just see where it goes. Here are my top tips for texting somebody who has BPD in the dating phase. So, ring don't text. Texts get misconstrued from both sides. Ask them about their hobbies, their passions, what makes them get out of bed in the morning. If they're like me and have a dog, who is their absolute life, always ask about the dog, even if you don't care. <laughs> ask about the dog. It is extremely important. Try not to bombard the phone with compliments. That sounds daft, but we just can't handle it. Most people with BPD are sarcastic. Use this to your advantage. Tell stupid jokes. Take the piss. We do like to have a laugh. We're not serious all the time. Be open-minded and honest. We've probably stalked your social media. So as soon as we started talking to you, like we knew loads of stuff about you already, so you can't hide anything from us. If they stop texting you, don't take it personal. Just drop us a message, see if we're all right. If we don't text you back, just ignore us. <laughs> Leave us to it. Leave us to crack on. If you are the one with BPD and you're texting somebody, here's my top tips for you. So the same again, ring don't text. As somebody with BPD myself, I can read things wrong and in turn, other people can read what I say wrong, especially if I'm having a war with Bob. And if you're new around here, Bob's my BPD. I turned him into a person to help manage the little shit better. Um, try to understand that if they don't respond to your text immediately, they aren't ignoring you, they're just busy. We're not entitled to an immediate response. Although we'd like one, <laughs> we're not entitled to one. Don't send nudes. It makes you feel good for about 0.45 seconds and then you feel shit because you wind yourself up about what they're going to do with them. Like, what if they lose the phone? What if somebody gets into the iCloud? So just don't do it. Save yourself the anxiety. If they cared enough about your personality and you, they'd wait and see you in the flesh rather than on a screen. You've got porn on for that kind of shit. <laughs> If they stop texting you, don't take it personal. Drop them a message, see if they're all right. Try not to take it personal, like I said already, if they don't respond. You weren't the right person for them at this stage in their life. And that is fine. They are entitled to that opinion. Just remind yourself of a time when you've not liked somebody as much as they've liked you and you've had to call it off. Like, they probably didn't want to end things. So, it's just the same thing. 
Moving on to the first meeting phase. And it's at the first meeting phase when I personally know if I will really like you or not, if anything will transpire from it. So from the first meeting, I will either fancy you or I won't. If I do fancy you, it's like my whole body goes on sweaty and I lose the ability to talk. <laughs> I know, who thought it? Me, losing the ability to speak, but I can't. When I really fancy somebody, my brain just turns to mush. And that is the only time I will ever ask somebody out. Myself. If they give me that feeling. <laughs> and there's not many tips that I can give you for the first date meeting stage. Because this stage is all about the person with BPD. In my professional opinion. <laughs> there's no changing somebody who has BPD's mind once it's made up. For me personally, anyway. You can't spend more time with me to make me like you. If I don't fancy you, I don't fancy you. <laughs> End story. We aren't meeting, we aren't texting anymore. Done. See ya. <laughs> but once I have met you, within the space of like 10 minutes, I'll know if I fancy you or not. And no, 10 minutes is right exaggerating. I'm so... That's been so optimistic. <laughs> it's more like 30 seconds. Like I said, if you don't give me that hot and sweaty feeling, it's a no from me and Bob and Luna. But if I do like you, <laughs> then buckle in. You'll have the best date of your life and you'll be left with more questions and answers. Nine times out of ten, you'll definitely ask me that again because you just can't get enough of me. <laughs> like I said, I'm captivating and charming, apparently. <laughs> but if I don't like you, you'll know from my body language, short answers, monotone voice, and you'll just get the no interested vibe. And I will always pay for my own food if I don't fancy you. <laughs> that way I don't feel bad that I don't fancy you and you've paid for a meal or something. I don't like people paying for stuff anyway. But especially if it's a date scenario and I don't fancy them. <laughs> I feel bad for wasting the time and the money. So if I've ever been on a date with you and I've paid for my own food, you know why? If you are a person with BPD, I'm not even going to give you any tips on the first date meeting phase because that would make me a massive hypocrite. <laughs> I'm shallow. So if I don't fancy you, I won't entertain you. <laughs> Moving on from a shallowness. Further on in the meeting stage, all I can really tell you is, for me personally, I don't like to message somebody for more than two weeks without meeting them for the first time. Once we've met, if it takes us another two weeks to meet again, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in a part-time boyfriend, as I'd call it. Because time's precious. I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want to waste theirs. I don't want to waste two weeks of my time messaging you for the sexual attraction and chemistry to not be there in person like i said if i meet you and i don't fancy you or get a good vibe then i'm off i'll tell you i'm not interested and that's that there's no point wasting each other's time that goes for any relationship i think um you just need to remember tone of voice and how you word things is important and as long as you remember those two points at the meeting stage you'll be fine but i don't mean like talk to us like we're a child because I hate feeling patronised. That is one of my triggers and it'll set me off straight away and I can split so easily. And if, like I say, somebody doesn't want to meet you anymore, just remind yourself over time, you've had to call it off with somebody and they didn't want to end it. It's a shoe being on the other foot situation. But I have found that men do struggle to break away from me, which is strange. Like, they'll still text me to invite me out. And every single person I've been in a relationship with has told me they love me within, like, two months. Someone told me they love me after four days once. 
because they were that infatuated by me. Like, he said he struggled to concentrate on his work. <laughs> they were his words, not mine. My belly's rumbling. People fall for me, I don't know. I don't know why they fall for me. I've got no idea why. Probably, is it the impulsive borderline personality side of me? Because what was it? Captivating, elusive, charismatic and charming. <laughs> and I don't think I'm any of them things. But saying that, people that I have dated in the past have said, you're so confident, you're so interesting. I feel like I know you, but I don't. <laughs> you just attract attention and the one I hear most is, I just want to know more about you. You're fascinating. I don't know why I still give off this persona of a confident, outgoing person. Because <laughs> I'm not. I used to be. But I haven't been that person since 2015. And we're in 2022. That's seven years ago. Like, there's nothing impulsive about me now. I like routine. <laughs> so let's move on to the dating stage. And this is a stage where you both agree that you aren't seeing other people, just each other. And if they are seeing other people, <laughs> then you aren't dating, my friends. You aren't dating. But this is where you find out how compatible you are, especially for the person with BPD. Sometimes I can go from being absolutely besotted with somebody one minute, say they say something degrading or just wrong in my eyes, I can then split and think that this person's a knobhead and I have to keep reminding myself that this person's allowed to have flaws. Nobody's perfect, especially me. So I have to rationalise with myself, explain that this person probably doesn't know that they've offended me. So I've just got to explain in a calm manner that I didn't appreciate or like what they said. And like I say, try not to blame them as well because I don't like people blaming me. <coughs> Once you've been dating for a few months, oh, let me just adjust myself. You get to the <laughs> dreaded meeting friends and family stage. Now meeting friends and family can be a big one. For me personally, it stresses me out. You get some people that are very family orientated and that's just not me. I wish I was, but it's not. Obviously that'll change when I become a mum myself because it will be all about them and them getting to know the grandparents and their aunties, their uncles, blah, 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 blah. But me, at the moment, I don't want to go for food with your mum and dad. I don't want to meet your grandma. <laughs> I don't want to be invited to your massive family gathering. I don't do that with my own family, so why would I want to do it with yours? <laughs> It's more about, I don't want to offend, upset or embarrass the person that I'm with or myself. Sometimes I say things I find funny, other people don't. And they look at me like I've just kicked the dog. And those situations stress me out and make me feel uncomfortable. So why would I personally put myself in a situation that's going to stress me out? It just doesn't make any sense. However, I still like to be asked to go to these events. I know, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I will surprise you and actually attend these events. But please don't make a big deal out of somebody with BPD rejecting certain situations. Like I said, they're stressful for us and we know this. So please, please don't force us to end your hours of mental torture to please your family and your friends. We date you. We don't date your friends. We don't date your family. It sounds harsh, but it's true. I will attend the family gatherings, but family gatherings that I feel comfortable with. And once I've met your friends and family a couple of times, if you actually manage to get me to meet them, it gets easier for me. I relax more. 
before I got BPD, all of my ex-partner's parents hated me because obviously they didn't understand that I had a mental health condition. Neither did I, to be fair. But even when I was dating my superhero, my saviour, Adam, <laughs> his mum hated me. <laughs> she did. She hated me. I can't say that she doesn't. She still hates me now. But you know what? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> People with BPD just want to be liked. We're people pleasers. So can you imagine how hard it is for somebody like me to meet your parents and your friends? It's hard enough we are having BPD. But BPD makes you question everything. What if they don't like me? Will this person stop dating me if they don't like me? How long will the mum and dad think of my tone of voice? Will they think I'm rude? Will they think I'm blunt? Do I look presentable enough? Will they hate my tattoos? <laughs> Honestly, you name it, I've thought about it. And if you are somebody with BPD and you get to the meeting family and friends stage, just remember, they're only people. Who cares if they like you or not? You, you. You don't date, like I said, their friends or their family. You date them. So as long as they like you, who cares? You don't have to socialise with the family if you don't want to. Go to the events that you feel comfortable with, not the ones you or your partner pressure you to go to. And likewise, if you are the partner of somebody with BPD, don't pressure them to go to these events. It will only backfire on you. Trust me. So if you've successfully gone through the texting and dating phase, then you're officially in a relationship. Congratulations. But for God's sake, don't move in with somebody with BPD for at least a year. Honestly, that is speaking from experience. You need to educate yourself on the disorder. You need to learn about our triggers. Sometimes you may need to help us talk through and think about our feelings and our thoughts and you will need to learn to help us. <laughs> you will need to learn how to support your loved one with BPD but don't worry, that's next week's episode on the good, the bad and the BPD so I've got you covered, don't panic. I think if I hadn't lived with my partners things would have been a lot better because I want automatically... <laughs> I wouldn't automatically rely on this person to make me feel better when I'm triggered or take things out on this person because I'm in a bad mood. Like I said before, if you talk to me before my snow globe brain's settled in the morning, I'll snap at you. Don't bombard me with questions all at once in the morning. My brain can't focus on anything for the first 30 minutes until my brain's settled. Like I said, snow globe, snow globe brain. So living by myself means that I have to go through my own thoughts, my own feelings. And I have to rationalise those myself rather than not going through the emotional roller coaster of dealing with my thoughts, feelings and emotions. And I, if you don't go through it yourself, you end up just having a go or snapping at your partner. And that's not fair on them. They didn't deserve it. So you have to force yourself to sort your own life out rather than depending on somebody else to do it for you. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever be able to live with a partner for my own benefit as well as theirs. I like my own routine. I like my own space. I like my own company. <laughs> I want somebody to fit in, not somebody I've got to fit around my life. And that's selfish and I'm working on it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not working on that in the slightest, I'm being honest. Oh, 
although I complain about being single and lonely, I do actually enjoy the freedom. <laughs> I don't have to text anybody back. I don't have to consider anybody else's feelings. I don't have to compromise on what I want to do, but I do what I want to do. I don't have to go, what would you like for tea tonight? And they'll say something with a meat preference and then I'm like, yeah, but I don't eat meat. <laughs> so then I have to improvise and cook two meals. But on the other hand of that, I don't have anybody to share my experiences with. I don't have anybody to talk about my dreams with. I don't have anybody to give me cuddles when I'm sad. I mean, I have Luna, but that's not the same thing, is it? So let's recap the dating stage. Remember, you're still getting to know this person. So don't kick off when they say or do something you deem as inappropriate. Likewise, try not to take offence. <coughs> oh, that came out of nowhere. Oh, my bad. Try not to take offence if your loved one with BPD has an outburst at something you've said or you've done. Try not to raise your voice and be diplomatic. Don't go to family gatherings if you don't want to. You don't have to. On the other hand, don't pressure your loved one with BPD to attend these gatherings. Educate yourself on how to support your loved one with BPD, which, like I say, is next week's episode, so stay tuned for that. Don't live with one for at least a year. It's for both your sakes. Take things one day at a time. <laughs> because some people with BPD can split very easily. We could be in love with you for the first three months. We've planned our wedding. We've planned our engagement, our baby shower. <laughs> you name it. But then we can split and no one to be with you anymore. It is, it is that quick. But on the other hand, our BPD can also be a lot... For somebody without the disorder to understand, manage and deal with, I suppose. So you may decide that a relationship with us is not for you. And stay tuned for episode three, which is how to end a relationship or a friendship with somebody living with borderline personality disorder. And we have also, we're, we're also going to cover an episode on if you are the person with BPD, how to deal with a friendship or a relationship ending so how to deal with that abandonment and all the issues that come with the end of a friendship or relationship so by the time you are in a relationship you should know the what a vast majority of things about your significant other other <laughs> that one new you should have a basic understanding of the needs how to support them and if you've been with the good, the bad and the BPD from the beginning, cast your mind back to episode four, the one who broke my heart. You've only got to listen to that episode to know that I used to be a gaslighting narcissist. Now, not many people would admit that, <laughs> but I was. And I think still might be a little bit. That's me just being honest. But the term gaslighting and narcissist, it gets thrown around a lot. So what I mean is, my favourite line was, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> not taking any responsibility for how I made that person feel. If someone raised a voice to me when I were in the wrong, but I was trying to convince them I wasn't, I'd just talk normally and be like, why are you shouting? I'm not shouting at you, so I'm obviously telling the truth. Why are you getting so defensive? <laughs> I was an absolute cock. And I also used to say, I never said that, when I clearly did. Like I said before, we were both as bad as each other. We never set any boundaries. So... Setting boundaries is important for a successful relationship, whether that's with somebody with BPD or not, it's for any relationship. 
setting boundaries with somebody who lives with borderline personality disorder can be difficult because we see this as a form of rejection. <laughs> we don't want to, but we do. But setting boundaries can help the person living with borderline personality disorder take responsibility for their actions and it prevents you both from putting up with unhealthy behaviours. It'll also strengthen your relationship because you're both communicating about it together instead of letting it fester on both sides. Me, as somebody who lives with borderline personality disorder, has to try and remember that boundaries are good. They aren't rejection. They're stepping stones to building a successful relationship. Everybody needs boundaries, whether that's in a relationship, in work, or just in life in general. And I've got a full episode coming up on setting boundaries. So keep an ear out for that. I told you, this season, I'm smashing it out of the park. I've got you covered. <laughs> so always remember that everybody is at different stages of recovery. So some people manage their BPD better than others. Me, five years ago, pff, you've heard the stories. You've heard season one. Me, five years ago, is completely different. That Tammy would have dealt with things irrationally, should have took things personally. And now I can always, nine, what, eight times out of ten, see it from another person's point of view and I can sort of have conversations in my head and see where they're coming from. But depending on how your significant other with BPD responds to situations, there's always two sides to every conversation with somebody with BPD, a good side and a bad side. It depends, like I say, how they are. Sometimes with me you'll get a good reaction. Sometimes, like I say, you'll get a bad reaction. It it just depends. Sometimes your partner, for example, with BPD, may be happy that you're going out. Sometimes we might feel like you're abandoning us. We know deep down that you aren't, but the BPD flares up and it makes you think that this person doesn't want to spend time with you. And if that does happen, approach the subject with your partner, let them know that you've been invited out with your friends and you'd like to go. Me, personally, I'd be like, where are you going? Who are you going with? Not to keep tabs on you, but I am genuinely nosy. <laughs> I'm one of the nosiest people you will ever meet. <laughs> but I'm not saying Bob doesn't have an opinion. Because he certainly does. Me, me personally, as Tammy, I want you to go out and have a nice time. But Bob, Bob wants you to stay here. Bob wants you to stay here and smother me in love and affection. <laughs> All night long. He asks questions when you tell us you want to go out. Like, why do you want to leave us? Why do you want to be with your friends and not us? Aren't we good enough company? And then he'll go, go out then. We don't care. We'll just make it uncomfortable for you for the next two days. You will not go out again and leave us. <laughs> go out, leave us. We'll just go out without you next time and have a better night. And then we'll rub it in your face. <laughs> Told you it's like having venom attached to you. But if your partner doesn't take this news in a good way, just reassure them that you love them. You love spending time with them. But you also need to have your own time. Time with your own friends, for your own mental health. And, like I say, if you can refer back to a specific conversation that you've had previously about boundaries or a webpage you've read together, remind them of the conversation and what you discussed. Also, a cuddle goes a long way in that situation. Trust me. A big one for me is, if you've made plans with me, don't change your mind and then go and hang out with your mates. From my point of view, this makes me feel very unloved and unwanted. It's like you don't actually want to spend time with me. Try not to make plans and then cancel at the last minute somebody with BPD. Because a lot of us take this thing very, very personally. We don't mean to. We just can't help it. 
sometimes a person with borderline personality disorder can work themselves up over going out in public. Hence why family gatherings are stressful. We create scenarios in our head that people will be judging us, staring at us. What would you... What... <laughs> what would... Oh, God. Here we go. I'm nearly done and my gob started to act funny. What would we do if this happened? Like... What would we do if people were staring at us or we thought that people were talking about us? And if this happens, like, just reassure your loved one with BPD that everything, everything will be fine. But make sure you ask them, is there anything in particular that they're worried or anxious about, about the day or about going out? <coughs> Sorry. Once you've got to the root of the problem and you've spoken about it, nine times out of ten, they'll probably be up for going out. And to add a bit of... Professional information from my friend Google. On the BetterHelp website, there's an article. And it's called, Nine Things to Know About Dating Somebody with BPD. And I haven't used nine. I just chopped a specific section out. And it was medically reviewed by Kimberly L. Brownridge. So, you know, she's a professional. So it says, the three C's. It could be tempting to blame yourself for your partner's erratic actions and symptoms. Maybe you think you did something to make them angry or perhaps you feel responsible for any relapse that they may have. That's why it's important to remember the three C's. Cause, cure and control. So you didn't cure it, fuck off. You didn't cause it, you can't cure it and you can't control it. Your partner's sensitivity often stems from the BPD. Forgetting this and blaming yourself for your partner's behaviour can be detrimental to both your mental health and your treatment. You can't control another person's behaviour or actions. So when we're kicking off or having a meltdown, whatever you call it, just remember the three C's. You didn't cause it, you can't cure it, and you can't control it. And I ended up making two of my ex-partners depressed because of my BPD. And if you want to listen to those episodes, they are season one of The Good, The Bad and The BPD, episodes four and episodes eight. And we don't need big gestures to show us that you care. Me, I'm a hopeless romantic. My ex always wanted to see the Northern Lights and it was Covid, so no travel anyway. So I set up the front room with the Northern Lights projector on the ceiling, candles, snacks, you name it. Made it like we were camping under Northern Lights. <laughs> I told you how cute. To be in a relationship with somebody with BPD can be absolutely incredible. They make you feel like a god or a goddess, whatever your preference. We'll smother you with gifts, appreciation and love and... We remember all the little things that you say you like and we plan little days out for you because we remembered you said you wanted to do this or that. But we expect the same in return. And that is a huge downfall of mine. Because I'm old-fashioned, I'm one of them women that, even though I've been at work all day, your tea will still be on the table for you when you get in, your baths run, shit like that. I do it automatically. I can't help myself. It's in my nature. But say we've been in a relationship for six months and out of those six months you've not even offered to cook for me once, I'll start to get annoyed and feel like you're taking advantage of me. I'll also forget about all the little things that you've done for me throughout the week, like, I don't know, put washing in or rub my feet. <laughs> rub my feet, I don't know. But my brain would only focus on the fact that I always cook your tea and you never do mine. But saying that, I don't know why I moan, because... I'm fussy with food and I don't want food poisoning, so I would prefer to cook tea anyway. Especially my own. <laughs> See what I mean? I'm complaining about somebody not cooking for me when I don't want them to anyway. It's just a thought that counts. Or you just asking, shall I make tea tonight, babe? Even if I say no, you've asked. 
that puts Bob at ease. And it's silly basic things like that that set me off personally. <laughs> Cleaning's another one. If I get I get annoyed if I'm the only one doing the pots, hoovering, all that jazz. But no one cleans to my standard. And like I say, everybody hates coming to my house because it's so clean and tidy. And it's, it's like nobody lives here. No personal photos, a family, just dog. And if you don't, like, know who Polly or Luna is, you would never know who lived in my house. <laughs> Another thing, I'm a planner. I like to plan stuff, as I've said before. You can't just pick me up and expect to have my company all day. First, I've got a Luna. And if your full day doesn't involve my dog, then I'm not coming. I can't be out all day. Me and my dog have got separation anxiety. And I'd like to say it's just Luna, but it's not. I have it too. And I know I have because I went out to Sheffield one day and I left her at home with Adam. And I've been out all day and they both came to pick me up from the train station. And he sent me a photo of Luna stood looking out the window of the car at the empty train station. And I sobbed like a little bitch on train. And my brain went, Mummy's coming, baby. <laughs> and when I got to her, I got tears streaming down my face. So yeah, if you'd like to take me out on a date, please invite my dog for extra brownie points. If you don't want to invite my dog, excuse me, you're probably not the right person for me. But if you don't want to take me out for food or something, because I do like food, you've got a maximum of three hours. I'll still have to find a babysitter then, because I'm not leaving my baby in the house. <laughs> I need to stop calling him a baby because people think I'm leaving a newborn at home. I am also a bugger for asking you if you're all right. And a lot of my friends and people that I know with BPD do this. So if your face and your body language are projecting negative energy, what I perceive as negative energy in my way, it'll set Bob off. Now Bob thinks we've done something wrong and we fester on it, creating scenarios in our head. And the best way to stop this is to be honest with us. Don't say I'm fine because we know you aren't. I'll take that as you're lying to me. And I can't stand liars. We need open, honest communication for any relationship to work successfully, romantic or not. But dating somebody with BPD is odd if you don't take time to educate yourself on it. It's not something you can just deal with when it happens. If you are somebody with BPD and you're dating somebody, try not to put all your expectations on them. Try not to look at that person to make you feel better or help you. Because you need to learn how to help yourself. I saw a video a couple of months ago, might even have been a year ago, and it was an interview with Russell Brand and... I absolutely love Russell Brand, he's fucking Fruit Loop, but he's brilliant. And he said something like, it's not other people's jobs to make you happy. If you wait for other people to make you happy, you'll be miserable. So, what he meant by that was, don't wait for somebody to buy you flowers. You want flowers? Go and buy yourself some. You want to celebrate Valentine's Day, but your partner doesn't? Well, take yourself out with a girlfriend or your kids, whatever. Go have fun. You don't have to wait for that person to go and have a, an enjoyable day you want to climb a mountain go climb a mountain new restaurants opening and you want to go and try it just go invite one of your friends you're responsible for your own happiness you can't put that on somebody else like i say it's expectation you expect somebody else to fulfill your need to be happy when the only person that can fulfill your need to be happy is you rarely realistically <laughs> But if you are in a relationship with somebody with BPD, get in touch and let me know how you support your partner. And also how you support yourself. Because BPD affects both parties. I wish it didn't, but it does. And if you are the one who lives with BPD, get in touch and let me know how you manage your own triggers and your fear of abandonment when in a relationship. Because I'd really love to know. Like I say, I've got nine more episodes for this season, which 
all interlink. You may think I've missed some bits out of this episode, but I will cover them in other episodes. Trust me. And we have the following episodes coming up so far. So next week is how to support friends and family living with BPD. You've then got how to end a relationship or a friendship with somebody living with BPD. And then we've got setting boundaries for somebody living with BPD. From somebody living with BPD. So that should be fun. That should be fun. Me telling you how to set boundaries that I probably won't follow myself by after. <laughs> you get the gist though. It's a how-to season. And if you're still here, thank you. Thank you for spending your time with me. What, it's got to be at least an hour. <laughs> I appreciate your support. Shout out to Anchor for giving me a platform to share my stories and my knowledge with you on. I knew nothing about podcasting before going on the Anchor website and looking at YouTube for like different Anchor tutorials. They're a fantastic platform for all your podcast needs, especially if you're not very tech savvy like me. Like I say, I upload it to Anchor and it distributes it everywhere. Facebook, Apple, Spotify, you name it, I'm there. (laughs) So with all that being said, that is it for today's episode. And it is so good to be back. It is so, so good to be back. Sorry about my chest infection. Sorry about my coughing. Sorry about my... (coughs) There you go. (coughs) Sorry about my snotty nose. If you want me, you can get in touch with me on the Facebook at The Good, The Bad and The BPD. And for some reason, it doesn't give you the option to listen to my podcast on UK Facebook. And I, I did read online that we don't have that function yet. But I can see it when I go on my page as like an editor. I can't see it when I'm viewing it as somebody else, but when I see it as an editor, my podcast there. So I've got no idea what's going on there. If anyone can explain why I'm the only one that can see the podcast episodes and play it from Facebook, that would be fantastic. However, you can just search for me by my name, Tammy Mortland, and you will see my own personal Facebook All the episodes are set to public on my profile, so you can see them from there. However, please bear in mind that this is my own personal Facebook and I will not accept a friend's request from anybody that I don't know. It's just not what I do. What I put on Facebook is um, quite personal and, I mean, it is relevant to BPD, but some things I'll post on the good, the bad and the BPD. Some things are just too personal to post, so yeah. I won't accept your friend's requests. I'm very, very sorry. But like I say, join me next week as we go through how to support friends and family living with BPD. I hope you all have a cracking week. Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad and The BPD with me, Tammy Mortland. Have a lovely day.